Okay, who does the best Coach Cirazulo impression out of the three of you? Come on, let's hear it. Come on. I don't know which way we're pointing here, but it has to go with Sam, whichever way he is here. Yeah, you had it the second time. Sam, come on, let's hear it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't. I'm, I still play. I still play. <laughs> it doesn't matter. If like Coach Cirazulo likes our show, and we'll, we'll, I'll call him up after this is done, after it shows, and I'll make sure you're, you you got to get out of jail free card in this one. Go ahead. Come on. Let's, let's hear it. <laughs> Coach Cirazulo, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Nelson doing Cirazulo. <clears throat> Man. Men, we have to be better. We have to do the little things. How can I trust you to block someone on fourth and one if you're not going to pick up your towel in the locker room? You're going to let that towel break you? How can I trust you on fourth and one? Get out of my face. Are you kidding me? <laughs> well done. I, I, I like it. Okay, so okay now now I need a Chad Shade impression. Now, now that he's left uh, Springfield, uh, who can do a Chad Shade impression? Uh, or, or Nick Boehner. Nick Boehner is more like just this. We, 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 come on, who's got Chad Shade for me? Tanner, you're smiling pretty big down there. I, I think you've got something for us. Well, I was going to say, like, you, you could just, like, uh, the best Chad Shade impression would just be me flailing on the ground, just kind of, like, willy-nilly <laughs> going all over the place. Um, but, uh, I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of hard to do like a, like an actual, uh, how he would answer like you in an interview. Um, I don't know if I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I have that in me. Well, let me, let me ask you a question. Chad was always thought of as kind of like the pretty boy of the uh, offense uh, at all times. And I mean, did he get it on you guys? If, if you let a sack come through, you let him get hit, did, did he get upset? Uh, kind of like a Hollywood prima donna type or wh what happened? Uh, Tony, was he, was he that guy? Well, I mean, uh, he wasn't, but it's, it's funny that you ask that because my last rep ever as a football player in my life, I actually let Chad get absolutely smoked against MIT. So that's a running, that's a running joke we have. Um, he says, I let him go. I say I might've, but, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, he never got on us. He was actually a uh, pretty good guy. I mean, I lived with him too. So he was one of my best friends and, uh, it's just funny to see how, how you guys see him and how we see him behind the scenes. So. I'm not saying he's bad, but uh, it's it's definitely different once you you dive deeper and it, it's past the flailing and pretty boy. But it's a good thing. Got to congratulate friends. him on the first deal. Oh yeah, yeah, good first point. deal. Kansas State baseball. I a hundred percent. I wish him luck out there. Uh, obviously, he's he's been. Uh, we knew he was a good baseball player. We just didn't know all that uh, was coming with it. Uh, but look, JB, you're quiet over there. Come on, Nick Boehner. Right, let's see JB do a Nick Boehner impression for a minute here. Yeah, the thing with oh, Nick, you know, he like just <laughs> he, well, he, he always be, he always be like in the back. and just. You know, is, is, he's like a stand-up comedian or something. I mean, constantly just goofing around, and and you know, when it, when we ever when we had him on the show, he's like some, very animated, always like touching stuff and you know. But yeah, oh man, I I can see him being on like some kind of comedy tour at some point down the road. He was definitely one of the funnier guys we've ever talked to. <laughs> it's gonna involve a shake right. weight, that's for sure. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll say. One of the one of my favorite videos has to be. I actually had like I I think you made it into a gif or something, but it has to be Tim Callahan Marine after we won. 
and to the Tim Callahan interview where he's just they're all both looking like up in the air <laughs> like that that has to be that has to be like one of, one of like that's got to be in like your top 10 like inter- best interviews of all time 100% and to this day to this day I don't know how I didn't freaking see them behind me doing all this because as you guys probably remember the camera's facing us with the viewfinder on it so that I can monitor what's going on and I'm so engrossed in the interview and talking to Tim I didn't see this whole thing this whole production going on behind me and the worst part is I should have known better okay how many times have we done this and they still got me. They still got me. And, of course, we're playing this in the background right now. As I say, it just so everybody can remember what we're talking about. But, oh, my God. So, yeah, we're coming back to Springfield. We're coming back to see Sam play. Hope you guys are going to join us for a couple games. Uh, root them on. There's a lot more discussion going on, a little more serious than this coming in uh, to the show, uh, this roundtable we're going to do. More on that in a second. But, folks... Get used to these five faces here as we go down some of the final shows of Season 13 of In the Huddle and Trench Talk. Got to say that uh, impression of Coach Sarazula, I think, was spot on from what I know. Uh, so we appreciate our trench talk uh, cold open, but there's a lot more where that came from coming up. We're going to be a little bit fast uh, in the body of the show so we can have the whole, what, about 50 minutes uh, of discussion we had with those guys about the state of Division Three football, about the offensive line, about how spring football and COVID are interacting and how it affects things really for that a specific part of the game and just an overall broad view from some guys who are a little bit younger than us that I think have a good observation about where things sit, where things go from here, but they wanted to hear from us as well about some things too. So it's a true roundtable. Coming up with our Trench Talk friends, JB, it's confusing at this point, uh, whether we have games, whether we have exhibitions, scrimmages, what we have at this point. I mean, yeah. give, us, give us a little insight. Give us your wisdom on uh, what's going on around Division Three at this point. Well, first off, I had to do a little shout-out to Tony. He's number 74, just like, uh, you know, Ali Marpet with the Bucks. Um, it is NFL Draft Week, and hopefully Quinn Maynards will be uh, joining the ranks of uh, somewhere in an NFL team being, uh, being drafted. But I think overall, Frank, as far as you know, D3 football goes for this spring season, I think it's shown that it's it's possible to be done in as safe a, a format as po- you know, as possible. I think that um, schools, whether they want to call it a game, an exhibition, a scrimmage, or what have you, it's just nice to get the players out there to play. Um, it would be nice if some schools you know provided maybe video feeds to some of these things, but as we've said before, SIDs are pretty tapped um, and worked, you know, being worked <laughs> to the bone um, by juggling so many things all at once. I had a you know Twitter conversation with the folks at Olivet um, over the over the weekend, and they, you know, basically they had like six 
different games going on all at once, all within like a very small, you know, area of their, you know, their campuses, all the fields are being utilized, you know, lots of stuff up in the air. Um, and they, they had some, you know, issues with their video uh, feed, it went down, they had to bring it back up. Um, but, you know, ultimately they got, they got it done. And that's just kind of the way the spring has been. Um, they're just trying to get the games or, or whatever they can broadcast in as much as they possibly can, can get them done. But, it, you know, it's, there have been some, some false starts, we can say, uh, here and there throughout the spring. And uh, that's, yeah, you're the ref, you know. <laughs> Can't hear you, Frank. You're mute. Of course I am, because it, it wouldn't be a season 13 moment without me screwing up we my about audio. <laughs> We're keeping that. That's staying in. I want the proof that I screw up on the show as much as anybody. I don't just cover my mistakes like everybody else probably tries to do. But I was saying, before we have an offsides moment, which I just had, I guess, uh, we will go into our next segment, which reviews the... Uh, Four games uh, we had uh, during this uh, week in crunch time for week 12 of the 2021 spring college football season in Division Three. And we're going to start with a championship game in the pack specifically as Washington and Jefferson visited Westminster. And this game started, interestingly, about four minutes into it, as you'll see here. Looks like he has it. Huss lines up on his right. He caught back to pass. He caught looking, and it's caught oh! on the ground. Balls on the ground. The Titans are on it. Beautiful play, and they're going back. They're going the other way. It's Westminster. They're on the run. And guess who it is? It's Ian Barr of the Titans. Another major play. Touchdown, Westminster. That Ian Barr 43-yard scoop and score made it 7-0 Westminster. We're not going to show you the Frank Antiono uh, uh, one-guard touchdown that made it 14-0 with four minutes left in the first quarter, but we will show you a little bit later uh, this Justin Heacock pass that was complete to Peyton Scalos, a 21-yard touchdown that made it 14-7 Westminster as Washington Jefferson got on the scoreboard. In the second quarter, uh, there was a field goal kicked by Sean Disbro to make it 14-10. So Washington Jefferson was closing in before halftime. In the third quarter, though, John Seibick tried to punt this ball. He was in the end zone, and so the block by Drew Ehrlich was recovered by Trey Everson. That made it 17-14, Washington and Jefferson. You want to talk about momentum? This was a half of momentum, basically, the second half. In the fourth quarter, though... Watch Peacock this. gets the snap. He's back to pass. He's looking. He's looking. Heck, picked off. It's intercepted. It's intercepted by Luca Barai. Barai takes it all the way right about the 25-yard line. A beautiful play just when the Titans needed it. That interception by Luca Barai uh, made it uh, or led to this Cole Konechka moment. Konechka puts a man in motion. Konechka fakes the handoff. He finds it. And he finds his man. Beautiful play in the end zone for the Titans. They take the lead once again. Beautiful play there. That's Bryce Salick, the tight end. Exactly what Westminster needed. Salick goes on Rob Gronkowski and gives Westminster the lead. Salick going Gronk there, as uh, the announcers uh, stated. And uh, the tight end made it 
a 20-7 lead as after the extra point was missed. Uh, it stayed 20-17. to uh, In the next Washington and Jefferson drive, the defense steps up again. This time, Nicholas Trelar made a one-handed interception, and that gave a chance here eventually later on in the fourth quarter for this. Konechka puts a man in motion. It's Valente. Valente cuts in. Beautiful play for the Titans. Ian Valente goes in, and that is exactly what Westminster needed. They go up 26-17. to That Ian Valente seven-yard touchdown made it 27-17 in favor of Westminster. Uh, we did, though, see Washington and Jefferson try to come back here, but a, uh, an illegal motion call, I believe it was, pushed them from fourth and goal from the one to fourth and goal from the six, so they were forced to try this field goal, and Sean Disbrow, again, was good, but it's a seven-point game. Here's the onside kick attempt. And here we go, the onside kick. Caught covered down. by the tight Barr. Ian Barr once again. And uh, I'll tell you what, you said it, Ian Barr has been a warrior this game. And here's the final play of the game, and uh, let's listen to a little bit of the celebration here. Konechka takes one more knee. They've got the Gatorade on Coach Benzel. It's down. Here we go. Five, four, three, two, one. And just like 88, the Titans win the championship right here at Westminster College. 27 to 20, their first pack championship in program history. Westminster wins this game 27 to 20. That Ian Barr scoop and score early was important. Drew Ehrlich, uh, though, with the punt block, gave Washington and Jefferson a chance. But I'll tell you, my prediction about Cole Konechka and company and the experience that he's seen the game throughout the season, I think, proved to be true, especially with that defense chipping in with those two interceptions late in the game. First pack title for Westminster. I know you watch this game uh, pretty closely too. Had to be impressed with this Westminster squad. Yeah, no, they've um, they've made big plays at, at key moments throughout this entire spring season. And I think the, the combination of the, you know, what uh, Cole had told us in the prior week, you know, when there have been times where their offense has struggled, the defense has stepped up and vice versa. And we really saw that uh, come to fruition in this game. Ultimately, too many mistakes by the presidents to to overcome, uh, but they certainly made it interesting down the stretch. And it'll be a great rematch between these two teams once they get back to sort of regular uh, action, I guess you can say, uh, come the fall. Uh, you're coining phrases now. Uh, anyway, I, I'm going to bail you out and uh, go back to the scoreboard here as Waynesburg and Geneva face off in a crossover game. Uh, this is a good game, and so we're going to look at a lot of clips from this one as well. Ten minutes into the game, Justin Flack had a 24-yard touchdown run for Waynesburg, giving them a 7-0 lead. Then, with a minute and a half left in the first half, Blake Pete, a 44-yard run from Geneva's uh, running back, made it 7-7. Uh the flag was an offside, in case you're wondering, so the uh, defensive penalty was declined. Halftime score stayed 7-7. In the third quarter, about a minute into that second half, Justin Flack, for his second time in this game, this time a 70-yard touchdown run, made it 14-7 Waynesburg. Three minutes later, though, Amos Luptak with the four-yard run from the triple option, made it 14-14. And so now Geneva with a chance, and seven minutes later, Peyton Shell. The 15-yard touchdown pass from Amos Luptak. Here's something interesting. That was Shell's first touchdown reception of the season and Amos Luptak's second touchdown pass of the season because this is a triple option offense, don't forget. 
and that yeah. made the score 21 to 14, Geneva. Let's look at the final uh, real chance here for Waynesburg, though. Late in the fourth quarter, Tyler Raines he has his pass intercepted by Dakota Allen. And uh, they had one more chance from uh, 79 yards out, but uh, nothing uh, came of it late in the game. Uh, as they couldn't run out the clock, technically, uh, Geneva couldn't. So they still held on to win 21-14. to Luptek, 199 total yards, one rushing, one passing touchdown. And that defense of Geneva held Waynesburg to 4 of 13. Uh, in third and fourth down conversions. Uh, we'll go also now to the Lake Forest Rippin' game. And uh, Lake Forest uh, hopefully sent us the video that I'm talking about right now because <laughs> their webcast was a little unusable, but we had people in high places. Uh, we co called yep. up Coach Cat and said, hey, we, we need some better video. And I think he produced. Uh, let's start with A.J. Jackson and the 19-yard touchdown pass from Jeff Getchell uh, about five minutes into the second quarter to make it 6-0 Lake Forest. They'll trade, half, or they'll trade field goals before halftime to make it 9-3 uh, in this game. Now Lake Forest up 17-3 as they got a touchdown in the third quarter. That shown here, Cooper Tomlin gets a 33-yard touchdown pass from Jeff Getchell to make it 24-3 Lake Forest. Then in the fourth quarter, the final touchdown of the season for Lake Forest, as this was their final game ultimately, a 22-yard touchdown pass from Getchell to A.J. Jackson. Their second connection in the game made it 38-10. That was your final. Jackson, five receptions, 93 yards, two touchdowns, and an outgaining by about 234 yards by Lake Forest. Also in the NMIAA, Albion 35, Olivet 7, as Jake Bo or excuse me, Jack Bush went 29 for 40, two th or 349, two touchdowns. Jeremiah Sterling, 30 rushes, 240 yards on the ground for Olivet, though. Great day by him, but it just wasn't enough for Olivet. And JB, I'm just going to say that was crunch time for week 12 of the 2021 spring Division III college football season. Owens stands tall, a throw back to Foley, makes the catch, down the sideline, breaks a tackle, touchdown, wow. that's awesome, 41 uh, yards, with time, throws, end zone, bound, and picked off, Falcons win, no time left, Tyler Turek, with the game ceiling interception, Heidelberg Student Princes are your OAC West champions. Nicholas lost the ball, picked it up in the air, and is going to score! The miracle at Day Field in overtime.
Okay, JB, uh, so you see that preview we have of our top 25 coming up. We can't quite do it yet but there, because there are still a few games to be played. We'll talk about that in a second. But uh, you saw those last three games that we went through, the Geneva uh, win, Lake Forest, and Albion. Pick your favorite to uh, grab on that one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, they, they, all, they all present, you know, they were all kind of interesting in, in their own right. I mean, the Lake Forest game was kind of hard to follow along, um, you know, given some of the video challenges. But like I said, uh, it's just nice to, to have some football on uh, before the summer comes and we, you know, we don't get it until September. Um, we're starting to see some Division three schools like Christopher Newport just recently released their fall schedule. Looks great. Um, looking forward to seeing more schedules uh, releases because having something to look forward to in September is going to be nice. I think we have a handful of games left uh, for, for next weekend, um, some which are actual, some which are exhibition. But either way, it's been a, it's been a solid spring season. And I'm looking forward to our little uh, our power ranking you know, thing here to see, to kind of just you know, kind of look back and reflect on what we've kind of been through over the last few months. And, and uh, yeah crown a power ranking national champion i guess you could say we'll talk more about it next thursday when we uh, release the show uh we will tell you this though uh to qualify teams that have played two or more games and be 500 or over uh ultimately and uh it will be a combination of power ranking and uh balloting uh between us and uh also you know a, a power ranking system that we came up with that is let's say more objective uh in its approach so a little subjectivity a little objectivity an eye test of sorts uh being applied something that's going to give a good balance to the fact that we only have in most cases a maximum of five games and in some cases just two games to balance things out on so it's it's definitely an objective uh, subjective combination approach and uh you'll see what we do next week uh it's it's exciting, and we will crown a national champion from uh, in the huddle again, like we did in the fall. Uh, this time it won't be a tri-champ, though. There will be a definitive uh, national champ named because we do have enough body of work from schools here in the spring to do that, we feel. Also, Coach of the Year will be named on that show. Uh, Schedule-wise, you see it on the screen. Uh, this is the best we can come up with right now based on the information we have. Uh, th there may be things that pop up between now and then that we can't uh, catch up with. We are not doing a live Friday show this week because there is so little going on. Uh, so unless something changes really dramatically, this is all you'll see of us uh, this week. Thank God, huh? <laughs> but... Uh, we're going to bring in some better-looking guys than us. Uh, I'll, I'll say that uh, right now. I, I think it's time to uh, talk to our friends from Trench Talk. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, Trench Talk is uh, three offensive linemen, past and present, uh, but recent past, if it's past, uh, from uh, Springfield College. Uh, they got together and put together their podcast. I, I think they blame us for this uh, to a certain degree. We, we yeah, appreciate that blame. Yeah. yeah, so... <laughs> I don't know if uh, that is warranted. They do their own great job, and uh, I think they know exactly what they're doing. The The youth of this world knows how to navigate Spotify and uh, iTunes and everything else a lot better than us and probably Twitch and anything else out there. But uh, we wanted to bring them on, uh, talk about their show a little bit, and also just give a real recap here of where we are, where we've been, where we're going. It's not that easy, folks, as we've seen over the last 14 months to predict anything. And so we wanted some insight from other people, and here we go.
And JB, uh, as you know, uh, these guys uh, below us here on the screen, uh, on this setup here, are uh, three very good individuals talking Division Three oh, football, yeah. but especially uh, about the offensive line in the trenches, as they say. The Trench Talk Show. Awesome. Uh, Tanner Jilson, Tony Valentino, and uh, Sam Nelson, who is still uh, getting kicked around uh, in the Springfield uh, Pride world over there. I, I think you're only three uh, of the, uh, or only one of the three that's still active, Sam, uh, right now. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. We'll talk about that in a second. But guys, I wanted to uh, start with you and ask a question about, for those that don't know about you, about your podcast, how it got put together. Uh, Trench Talk, for those that don't know is out there on Twitter, YouTube, etc. But uh, we'll start, Tanner, we'll go around the horn starting with you. Uh, tell us about your show, how it even came to be. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, uh, Tony's really the founder, um, if, if we're being technical here. But, uh, um, you know, he kind of, he hit me up, he hit Sam up at one point. Um, we were stuck in the middle of this, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, um, trying to stay um interested trying to stay involved trying to stay connected obviously it's been tough um obviously being virtual um me and tony having graduated um trying to stay involved in football uh keep connected keep talking ball and he's actually the one who came up with the idea um giving some love to the to the o-line um and we even give some love to the d-line as well um but uh just he, you know uh, we just kind of got going I, I have a little bit of background in some some uh some journalism some some audio editing so we just kind of combined the the three minds and and kind of the rest was history but um you know it, it's been a great way to stay connected with the three of us to give some love to some people um some guys in the trenches who i think don't always get uh the most recognition and i think there's a lot of uh good people along with some coaches who have both played the position coached the position now some of whom are head coaches uh, and just some people who I think are, are doing some pretty special things out in the world. Tony, uh, take your kudos here. Take your bow a little bit about uh, this uh, show. Uh, tell us a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, it was just about a year ago today, actually, which is a pretty special time for, for all of us here. Um, I remember I was working I was working on my family farm, and I was standing there with my dad, and they were talking about the draft coming up, and all they were talking about was the quarterbacks, this guy and that guy. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, this is one of the deepest offensive line draft classes we've ever seen. Um, they went on to have the most rookie starters on offensive line ever uh, throughout the year, which was very special um, in hindsight. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, Dad, why don't they have a show where they're just talking about offensive line or defensive line? He goes, why don't you do it? And a typical Italian dad answer, I was like, all right, well, heck, Sam's got one of the highest football IQs I've probably ever seen. Um, and then Tanner's absolute wizard with ed editing and video and things like that. So I FaceTimed Tanner. I was like, what do you think about doing a show? I added Sam to it. And next thing you know, we had trench talk. We hit the ground running, and here we are a year later. So, And Sam, happy. as an active player, why did you want to be a part of it? Uh, yeah, Tony and Tanner, uh, they were graduating two of my best friends. I've always had a passion for the game of football. It truly is a love of mine. I hope to be a coach when I grow up. And I really do love offensive line play. And this gave me the opportunity to talk about something that I care about with two of my best friends and stay connected and really meet some awesome people along the way.
Awesome. And so here's the setup, guys, uh, we're going to do for those that are watching. Uh, we're, this is literally going to be a roundtable. We want to discuss the state of football right now. I've basically used my question right there asking you guys about this uh, podcast. Uh, you're gonna, we're just going to shoot back and forth, talk about the state of uh, football in Division Three, spring football, the offensive line, a bunch of different things. Tanner? Uh, it's a free-for-all. This is an unusual moment where you, uh, you get to ask us questions, too, on this show. Normally, we're the ones asking, so, uh, JB, be ready here. Uh, we, we've got some smart guys ready to go. Jeez. Uh, need to be here. So, Tanner, uh, go ahead and start. Well, it's definitely kind of a loaded question, so I take it however you want, the both of you. Um, it, it's, it just, and the reason why I bring it up is because I know how much you two have um, focused on what, you know, throughout the, the last, I'd say 12 months, you know, with everything going on and, you know, you guys have really done your research on kind of the, the treatment of kind of the management of, of, of how, what could have played out in the fall. Um, how has, you know, the transition to try and a lot of teams have been trying to do stuff this spring. Um, what's been sort of your, t I know you've talked a lot about it, but what's been your biggest takeaway just throughout the whole 12 months as a whole dealing with, with the pandemic and trying to keep some sort of division three football alive? I'll start, I guess, uh, JB, uh, one thing for me is the passion to play. I think I was a little more taken aback than even JB on some of the response out there. Uh, the whole let them play uh, mentality uh, that was going on. Uh, it, it was, even the fall, we could tell that despite the risks, playing football mattered. And I remember uh, getting into actually a disagreement uh, during the first debate between uh, former President Trump and President Biden uh, with somebody in the flag football world that I work in, uh, where they were like, who cares about uh, football being played? And I my reaction was a lot of people care about it. It's their livelihoods and not uh, just the players themselves, but uh, the personnel that work around the teams and whatnot. And that's just in the pros. Let's think about college and the kids uh, that want to play this game and the coaches want to coach the game. And that's been my biggest takeaway and why we kind of uh, became this kind of let them play group out there or show uh, not unsafely and not in a way that would have been harmful but I, I just in a way that embraced reality across the board and the fact that guys like Sam you don't have limitless opportunities out there to play football down the line this is it you're not going to the pro Sam most likely I'm sorry to break the news to you in division three but you're not going there and so we want to maximize your opportunities to enjoy the sport that you love and JB I think you're gonna have probably a similar notion yeah I think for me the um the biggest takeaway that I came came with was that there, there were actually lots of plans in place for for testing and protocols that ended up working in the spring that were initially designed and probably could and would have worked this fall. Um, but for some reason, our country's media, there was just a lot of misinformation. And I think a lot of college presidents and boards uh, just got on the overly cautious side and decided it would be easier just to shut everything down and not uh, even attempt the risk, um, at least in the early uh, you know, early stages of this whole thing. 
But I think what we've learned over time is that it is, in fact, possible to have a football game and a successful one um, using certain protocols. And I think that those protocols will probably remain in place this fall. Hopefully there'll be, you know, more fans allowed back into stands and families at least will be able to go see their, their kids play. But I think, it, um, you know, I have a feeling that there's still going to be some kind of testing going on uh, throughout the summer and into the fall. And JB, it's your turn. For me to ask these guys questions, really? They they signed they willingly signed up for this. Okay, all right, guys. Let's see what we got here. Well, we're we're we're. I know you guys are an O line show, right? So um, the last say five or six seasons, we've seen three or four guys from the Division three ranks uh, make it into the pros. Um, you know, Quinn Maynard's being the latest, uh, you know, likely draft pick. Uh, you guys know a lot more about maybe, you know, technique and certain things like that. You know, there's there's some questions out there that, you know, is this guy uh, Maynard's going to to jump Ali Marpet as the highest drafted D3 player ever? Um, maybe state, you know, the, the pros and cons of why you think he, he might end up being drafted higher uh, and or why, you know, Ali might keep the record for at least another year. Tony, why don't you start on this one? We'll kind of rotate on starts like that. Yeah, I mean, from what we've seen, and we'd love to have him on our show at some point, so maybe this is a shameless plug here, but um, Quinn Maynard is as close to the real deal as any D1 player as we've seen. Um, and I was, I was a bit taken back, honestly, uh, over the past few days. Um, Coach Manyweather, he actually, with the O-line masterminds, he did – um, he pulled five guys and they had like a break down the film with these five guys on the offensive line. And, uh, Quinn was the only guy from D3. He was the only guy outside of D1 out of those five people. Um, and obviously there's a lot of guys going into the room. There's a lot of guys going, looking to get drafted, but I think that speaks very highly. Um, a guy who focuses specifically on O-line techniques, someone like coach Manyweather, um, handpicked and pulled him to focus on him for breakdown and the true potential that he has. So. I'm not going to go out and uh, uh, put something in stone and say he's going to go higher than Ali Marpet, but um, I'm I'm fired up to see where he goes. And because a, a guy like that, he's wearing all of D three on his back, um, and that's not a pressure statement. That's just that's a that's a pride thing. Um, we're proud to be represented by guys like him and by Marpet, and I'm I'm excited. Sam, uh, would you be shocked if he didn't get uh, drafted? At, let's say in the normal seven rounds. Uh, yeah, I would definitely be shocked if he wasn't drafted. And I feel like maybe some of that higher pick talk he's getting about is due to Marpet's success. You see a guy like Marpet, who was arguably the best lineman on a Super Bowl champion team, uh, you're going to look for another guy like that, whether he plays Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three. If you see a guy who goes down to the Senior Bowl and destroys the defensive line, you should draft him. It doesn't matter where he went to school. And then you see him run a combine. He's run a sub-540 at his weight. I think he's a top 50 prospect, and I wouldn't be shocked to see him go in the top two rounds. And that was Ali Marpet was the second-round guy. Uh, Tanner, though, I mean, a lot of people are like, where did he come from in this respect? Because uh, he didn't have a senior season. How can you judge this guy? There were some guys last year that had four years of film that didn't get picked uh, in other positions. Uh, you know, the quarterbacks I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, so there, there is that shock factor here. What's your thought? Well, also, I mean, 
in plays into his senior bowl. I think it is it the Reese's. Uh, I, I don't want to get messed that up, but yeah. it, the, whatever the, the senior bowl that he uh, represented in, he had great reps um, all week leading up to the game, and he got hurt if I if I remember correctly. Did did he um, with his wrist? Was it? Uh, I think he uh, had a whatever. broken bone in his hand or something like that. Yeah, broken broken yeah, hand okay. or something. Uh, but he, and, 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 and the, uh, the coaches leading up to it, like, you know, he, cause he wanted to get in the game, you know, he didn't have that, that, you know, limited opportunity of film wants to get in the game. You know, every rep for him is even matters even, even more. And I think kind of the responses that he got from a lot of NFL coaches was like, like, almost like you're good. Like, almost like, like, don't, don't take any chances. Like, and, and so at least that's what I've, what I've read up on and, and, and I've, haven't done enough research on it on him in particular, but it's got to give him some good feeling, some good feedback in terms of how he's going to shake out um, when it when it comes to this draft. Okay, Tony, your turn to uh, come back at us, or even uh, your own uh, squad. It's up to you. Yeah, I mean, uh, Sam might be able to chime in on this one, but this is mostly for you, JB and uh, Frank. This is for you guys. Um, for me, something big as uh, someone who graduated from Springfield College, um, and Tanner could attest this, is we didn't have much closure as student uh, as students there, right? You kind of get cut out with COVID-19 and you're sent home, you do things remotely. Um, and I think with this past spring, seeing that wrestling match that a lot of, a lot of schools have had to do with the testing, um, making a spring season happen, or things along those lines, those adjusting on the fly, um, just just last week for Sam in particular, I mean, as far as they knew, they were going to have a game that weekend, and then they didn't weren't even able to put together a scrimmage. Um, so I guess the question for you guys is, what kind of suggestions or things moving forward for those seniors, those guys that don't get any closure as student athletes, um, how do they respond to that? How do they um, kind of, in a way, how can we respect them as media outlets? or as coaches to kind of give them that closure that they deserve as at least three and a half year um, student athletes. And JP will start this one. This is an interesting subject because I've, I've had some conversations with players, parents about this, and, and there are a lot of uh, parents in the class of 2021 that feel like already their coaching staffs and their schools have kind of just shown kids the door out hardly much pop and circumstance you know so if i was a athletic director or a college president or something i i would hopefully somebody would organize some kind of an event um even if it's something like this where it's virtual um that you know has highlights and you know talks about some of the you know the exciting games over the the prior years before things got shut down with COVID, and really recognizes you know, the, the hundreds, if not thousands of hours that these guys had put in, you know, starting from, you know, their high school, you know, kind of fall, you know, preseason camps and all that stuff. All the, I mean, you guys know, you know, the, the kind of hard work that gets put in. There's, you know, hours and hours and hours of just, you know, just busting your butt and, you know, just some kind of recognition um, for these you know, seniors is important because I think there's going to be, um, I think as a, as a country uh, and 
maybe D3 in general, at least for the schools that weren't really able to pull together a spring season, there's going to need to be kind of a morale boost, you know, come, come the fall uh, where everyone's like, you know what, Hey, we're, we're back in this. Let's try to make, you know, make positive. I mean, it is possible that we could see some things get derailed here and there. And there is certainly plenty of COVID fatigue, I think across the country, but as far as, you know, schools are considered, I, I would really hope and, and you know, if, if there's any anyone watching this that, that has some kind of ability to do something, like you got to do something for these guys. Um, it's just it's the right thing to do, um, especially, you know, for the longer term, you know, uh, just relationships with your with your program uh, and, you know, incoming recruits, alums and all that kind of stuff. It just makes a lot of sense to me. And, and if there are schools out there that aren't doing it and they're, and they're using COVID as an excuse, Come on, man! You can do it. A, you can do a virtual event just as easy as this. And you know, I know somebody uh, over there. I guess what they got to point it this way. No, other way. Yeah. So there's some people that can that know how to edit stuff together, and you know, maybe this guy down there or there or whatever. So you know, it's not impossible. Just try. To, there's some effort needs to be made, and that's those are that's my two cents on that. I come at it a little differently, though, too, JB, because uh, as somebody who's actually uh, heading toward his, God forbid, 20th anniversary reunion uh, for law school, uh, we're doing this whole virtual reunion thing. And to me, it's like, you know what? All things considered, screw this. Okay, let's just, let's, okay, do a couple things. How are you? Uh, Zoom type stuff and these new uh, services where they're like, oh, you can break out into your own one-on-one session with a friend if you want. Yeah, it's cool, it's nice and whatever, but you know what? Why don't you invite us up next year at some point when we're in the clear and let's do a reunion on year 21, but treat it as year 20 like we were supposed to in the first place. And that's what I'd like to see happen for the seniors and those that aren't able to continue or didn't get to play in the spring, whatever, uh, is have them back in some format. Do ceremonies as schools it's going to be worth it in the long run. You want your alumni to come back, give them uh, the excuse to give money to your school and everything else, which is a big thing. <laughs> Virtual is not going yeah. to drive that, I don't think. And it's this yeah. is a struggle for even the law school uh, part of me. So I, we, we've got the ability to do this. I think we just need the all clear sign to a certain degree with COVID. And that'll probably be early next year, maybe a third inoculation will be necessary. Who knows? But I, I think we're going to get to that point where we will do the right things for them ultimately and hopefully sooner rather than later. Now, in a very similar fashion, Sam, I've got a question for you that kind of buttresses uh, that. Uh, and guys, uh, I'll turn it a little differently for uh, both Tanner and Tony. Uh, Springfield didn't get to play. And you guys are watching teams around the country literally playing spring football how does that feel how do you think it affects a team like springfield or a lot of the new england teams that want to be national contenders ultimately or even regional contenders because some teams in the current east region though that's changing come the fall what uh, your region is or isn't uh did compete how does it affect you? And then uh, Tanner and Tony, I guess, uh, you know, coming as the older statesman uh, now, uh, kind of chime in as to what you think it does. Is there an advantage to the teams that got to play in the spring from what you can tell from practices and from games throughout your lifetime? But we'll start with Sam. Yeah, I mean, 
I feel like one advantage we have is we do have Coach Sarasulo who runs such a great program that even when we're not playing games, we're still getting better every day. You know, we're going out, we're practicing, we're holding Zoom meetings, we're installing our offense, we're putting in defense, uh, we're building our culture as a program. I think you really have to focus on the positive and something Coach C always preaches to us is, uh, you know, overcoming obstacles and just adapting and attacking whatever situation is in front of you. And I think that is going to help us in the fall. Granted, obviously playing football would have gotten us better at football, but our team has become so close and we've battled through a lot of things that when we do face that adversity in the fall, we know coach sees there for us. We know the guys on the team are there for us. And I would, if you would have told me we weren't going to play any games this year, I wouldn't have thought we would have gotten this much better as a team. And a lot of that is due to Coach Sarasulo and how great of a job he does. And you guys had him on your show uh, about a year ago. Uh, I remember him joking around about how unhandy he is at the house and everything else. Uh, a great sense of humor he has. And he, you have to have a good sense of humor when you have the Nick Bainers of the world on your football team at certain points uh, in the past years. But we won't get, go too deep into that. Hi, Nick. Uh, Tanner, go ahead. Uh, what's your thought on uh, teams that did and didn't play in the spring and how it affects things? I mean, from an advantage perspective, I I don't read too I'm, – I'm not going to try and read too much into it. The reason why I say that is because in terms of the fall coming up, fall 21, um, I mean, I think if you're a football fan, you kind of noticed it early on, both uh, watching NFL games, um, watching college football games as well especially from a defensive perspective, um, you know, that time that you get in preseason, even that, that summer workout type stuff leading into preseason, um, the, the time that you get uh, with with your guys, whether it be in the, in the film room, whether it be, you know, in meetings or simply on the field, it, it had an effect. I mean, I think in a lot of ways, even from a conditioning perspective, I think just having a different schedule, um, you know, had an impact. So, um, in regards to the spring having an advantage coming, you know, around this fall, um, I, I don't know about that necessarily. I would say that I think something that you two uh, have have alluded to a lot is that um, it's it's going to hopefully um, bring a new hunger to a lot of teams that are going to finally get back into the swing of things um, and finally have that fall season again. Because I think in a lot of ways, I think a lot of teams, I think a lot of players – um, regardless of the level of competition, took a lot for granted, you know, for, to not find, you know, to, to lose a season, to lose a senior season. And, and in Sam's case, you know, you know, losing that that year. So I think my hope is that you're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of dudes who come out and are really hungry and really uh, passionate about playing again. Okay, Tony, kind of break the tie here because I'm feeling a little yin and yang here between it, it, there is a disadvantage, there isn't necessarily a disadvantage. What, what are you thinking? Um, I would say a head-to-head -head advantage. I'm with Tanner on this one. I can't imagine um, it's going to provide that much leverage for a team. Um, I'm thinking from just the perspective of a guy who's one year removed, um, the people behind me, they were still at those practices. Um, they were trying to salvage their senior spring, their senior um, reps as players, right? Um, so I can't imagine it was too much geared directly towards the fall. Um, and if you were doing that as a, as a coach, I feel like that would almost be disrespectful in a way to kind of not give those guys um, their way out, right? Their, their justice to their last few reps as a player in their life. Um, maybe on a division one or D two level where 
you can have summer workouts you can have and lead it directly into the summer um i think that would provide definitely an advantage but at the d3 level where there's that such a big gap over the summer um if you're not if you're not putting in the time over the summer and heading into the preseason the way you should be i can't imagine that the spring is going to do that much for you okay uh, yeah, I, i'm i'm uh, yeah. liking that answer set to be honest with you I think it. I think it kind of depends, and you guys can you know agree or disagree. But I, I think certain programs it benefited them, like let's say Mary Harden Baylor, for instance, which I think is still trying to figure out who their starting quarterback is. Um, other schools that may have had you know offenses in place that are that are um, you know long long time you know running deals like the triple option at Springfield, et cetera. Maybe it's not not as big of an issue, but I think it depends. Um, it kind of on a case by case basis. But there's nothing really out there that makes me think that, oh, yeah, well, Whitewater is going to come back in, in September and not be good. You know, the Warhawks are still going to be a pretty dominant program, as I'm sure, um, you know, some of the other some of the other ones that we've talked a lot about in D3, um, you know, will be as well. So if, if I can, Frank, I'm going to so I want to shoot a question to these guys, um, you know, on, on your show, you've interviewed um, lots of. Uh, professional athletes, you know, and, you know, pretty high level. I mean, I think you even had a, the guy from like the LA Rams on, on your show. I mean, well, who are some, who, who are some of the, who are some of like the more interesting guests that you've had a chance to, to get to know? And, and what is it like when they, uh, you know, when they hear from, Hey, we're a, we're a, you know, some guys that would do a, a podcast about O-Lyman. Are they like, sweet, <laughs> sign me up. Or are they like, what, what? Tell us a little bit about that experience. That'd be cool. We'll go uh, Tanner, Tony, Sam, and Sam, you'll get the next question. Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll start and then probably kick it to Tony just because Tony Tony does a lot of the work in terms of DMing some of these guys where they're on social media, um, you know, between Twitter and Instagram. But, um, you know, Austin Blythe was the first um, NFL guy that we had on our show, uh, which, was, which was really awesome and a great dude, you know, and, and I think one of the biggest – things between Austin and Andrew Whitworth, who we recently had on um, a couple weeks ago, probably a month ago now, uh, both, you know, now Austin is, is on to the chiefs, but, but at the time, both LA Rams guys. And um, the, one of the biggest takeaways was, you know, how family oriented they are. Um, and I think how that kind of ties into what being a football player is, what being an offensive lineman is um, and just kind of, it's, it was amazing to get the response of like, yeah, I'll come on your show. Like, really didn't expect that. Um, of course, when you, you know, I think part of it is, you know, you, you outreach to a lot of different guys and some of them never get back to you. Some of them, you know, uh, just kind of give you a response and say, hey, thanks for posting that 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 thing on me or, or you know, that rep that I had. Um, but, but some of them have gone back to us and, and it's been a really cool interaction. And it's been uh, really nice to just see how down to earth a lot of those guys are. And how they just like to talk ball and 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 sort of just relate it to life. So Tony, you're kind of the JV of the crew. Uh, you're the one that reaches out, and says, "Hey, come on our show," and it works about eighty percent of the time. It's something like that. I mean, it's it's crazy what we've been able to do. Um, like I said earlier, it just this all started with one little phone call, and next thing you know, um, we're talking to some guys who've been playing in the league for fifteen years. We're talking to guys who've been in Super Bowls. Um, but we always have this common ground, which I think is what makes us so special. Um, I think one of the, one of the coolest moments, maybe of my life, definitely of this show, 
Um, obviously, having Austin Blythe on was incredible, and having Andrew Whitworth, um, a, a guaranteed Hall of Famer in our books at least, on the show was incredible. Um, but having Billy Honaker from Navy, uh, he was a right tackle, so I could relate on that. And he was a captain for Navy. The things that he shared with us and the values of their program, um, it, it, it could borderline bring you to tears. Um, he was saying how their number one value is choose the right. And ours at Springfield was do right, you know. And I'm not going to say who stole it from who, but uh, it, it's kind of funny to see that overlap because um, at the end of the day, we're three guys just trying to find something to do with their time and stay connected. And we're talking about what we love, and we have guys that are getting paid to do these same things. Um, and we could kind of just shoot it back and forth. So that's been really, really incredible for all of us. Um, at the end of the day, we act like little kids again, getting all giddy and fanboying sometimes after the show. But I mean, to, to feel like a professional doing this and actually be one with these people is, has been incredible for us over the past year. Sam, you're the youngest of the batch, but uh, it's got to be pretty uh, exciting and fulfilling uh, to do this show, even at your age right now. Yeah, uh, it's something I truly do love doing with these guys. They're some of my best friends, and talking offensive line and talking football is truly a passion of mine. And, you know, some of my favorite guests we've had on have been some high school football coaches who just do things the right way. You know, they run a great program both on and off the field, just hearing the values that they talk about, such as Coach Sericchio down in Connecticut or Coach Shell in upstate New York, where I'm from, just hearing the values that they preach to their program and how it leads to success both on and off for the field for those kids is something that we really loved learning about and also getting out there to maybe inspire more coaches like, hey, it's more than just X's and O's. You got to, it's about the Jimmy and Joe's. It's a funny saying that in football, but. It really is about the people and just talking to those coaches and seeing how much they care about their players was really an awesome moment for us. The X's, the O's, the Jimmy's, the Joe's. We've done that on the show. I know we have uh, before, thanks to JB. Okay, Sam, your, uh, your turn to ask questions. We're about half hour into this and uh, we're rolling fine. I'm enjoying it, so let's keep going. Uh, yeah, a question I have for you guys is, you know, maybe – a lot of our listeners haven't really experienced a D3 game day, and you guys are two of the best in the business. Uh, could you maybe talk about the atmosphere at a Division Three football game? Because I really do think it is special. I, I guess I get more of this lately than you do, uh, JB, although you uh, joined me up here for the Brockport-Hobart game, uh, what was it, 2018, uh, in uh, the yeah, beating yeah. sun, uh, the sunburn that you got from that game. I, have you gotten over that yet? Uh, it's it's electric in a different way. I mean, even when I was at Union College, uh, the tailgating experience, and you guys at Springfield do your tailgates just as well as we do, I believe, uh, but the tailgating experience uh, is something you start with before and after the game. This is not Division One. Obviously, you're not in the parking lot of a grand facility and just, you know, uh, you know, living it up out there with your uh, grills all over the place and whatnot. The concerted effort, the parents putting in their own resources to do it and everything else, it, it's really special. Uh, it's something that Keith McMillan used to write about in uh, d3football.com and the Around a Nation uh, column he uh, used to do. Now others have taken it over, but he used to underscore this the most, and he was right, spot on, about just how special the before the game and after the game atmospheres are 
when you're playing for the love of the game and the passion of the game and there's nothing else attached to it, the purity of football is involved and everybody rallies around that purity, you feel it. It's different. It drives you. It motivates you. Go to the Secretary's Cup game sometime. It's Army-Navy, but on a pure level compared to Army-Navy even when you really think about it. I mean, we don't have CBS flying in. We have ESPN3, uh, if we're lucky, flying in there. And so it's one of those moments where you just, it's almost inexplicable, but the appreciation factor that comes with the coverage that we do in it is something that always just strikes me. I, I've told the story of when I went down there in November, we were invited to go down uh, I was able to, got tested and everything else, did the live show before and after the ESPN broadcast, and then some of the people that came up to me afterwards to thank us for what we do when we should be thanking them. It just, it almost brings you to tears in real time and even thinking about it. JB, uh, yeah. you've lived these game day experiences. You were a player yourself, so you're going to have different insight than even I do on this. Well, I think it kind of goes back to what the, everyone's kind of been saying from the get-go, right? It's uh, there. There's like a familial component um, to Division three sports that you just don't see anywhere else. Um, you know, I went to USC uh, you know, for grad school and was there during like the Reggie Bush heyday. And, you know, I went to plenty of games with 100,000 people at the LA Coliseum. Um, but, you know, like the time I drove up from my hometown in Connecticut with my dad to go see, you know, Hobart Springfield game um, on Alden Street, in 2013 was, you know, it was almost more enjoyable. It's like, you, you know, the, you're closer to the field, um, the, you know, the players, families are sitting next to you in the stands. They're, you know, all the buddies uh, of the players out there are, you know, cheering their friends on and in what's, you know, it's kind of a more intimate, um, but still just as exciting uh, environment. And, you know, the, the, the passion, the, the competition, the, the, the will to win, you know, wanting to, you know, the taking it so seriously. I mean, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome to see, you know, upfront and personal, especially because you can, you know, you can, you know, hear the coaches from the sideline, like, you know, tell, you know, telling guys what to do and what plays and this, that, and the other thing it's, it's, it's almost like, um, you know, it would be like in the NFL, if you, you know, had one of those like mic'd up things, you can, you know, literally hear and see everything happening real time. And it's just a really um, just a special event. Guys, uh, looking at the clock, we're around uh, 35 minutes. I want to go about 10 minutes with you, uh, kind of in a more speed round mentality or more of a, a discussion mentality uh, at that to sort of just look at in roundtable fashion where we go from here, uh, where football generally goes from here, where Division Three goes from here, your insights as players or recent players, ours as uh, guys that get to talk to a lot of different coaches, ADs, etc. There's a lot of questions on the table still. I mean, we thought a year ago this was just a few-week thing, and it's not. Uh, COVID has continued here uh, well beyond what the shelf life should have been or would have been based on our best guesstimates when we were kind of in the real formal lockdown in April of last year, especially pumping out shows like three times a week just to do something to get our minds off things. Uh, just back and forth, I mean, you know, jump in as you want to hear. Just remember, it's it's tough to hear each other if we are talking over each other, so we'll uh, do our best here. But 
I guess throwing it to Tony, I'll start with here a little bit to roll with this. Tony, do you think we're going to have a normal fall in football at all levels? Take it from Division Three on up. Uh, what do you think is going to happen here if you had your guesses? Um, I think going into this, taking into consideration what we've been able to see with the NFL in this past year and what they're planning moving forward, Obviously, we don't have nearly the resources across all divisions, uh, especially at high school as well. But to take into consideration their approach of kind of being realistic, right? They made changes to preseason. They've affected the schedule. Yes, they have resources to do that. But I think heading into that as coaches or even as teachers um, in certain systems, we need to understand that we're still dealing with individual people, right? We can't kind of expect this flexibility for especially college students. Um, there is still a life to live. College is a limited amount of time. Obviously, you sign up to be a college athlete, right? But it's not a professional sport. Um, for a certain time during preseason, it sure feels like it, and it should be treated as that. Um, but I think we have to head into it with a realistic approach of, okay, this is the resources we may have, and this is what we can effectively accomplish, and then maybe add on to that rather than this constant um, deleting of schedules, this constant deleting of um, practices and things like that. Um, hopefully we can approach it with a more realistic mindset. But Sam, as a player right now, is there any tamping down of expectations or hopes right now going on with the fall, as far as you can tell us? Uh, like, well, you know, we think we're going to be able to get these nine or ten games in, but, you know, we're not 100% sure. There may be cancellations of COVID. I mean, what, what is the expectation set being given to student-athletes returning, hopefully, in the fall or the summer or whatever we're going to do here in this respect? Um, at Springfield, it's been tough. We've really been trying to take it day by day. Uh, unfortunately, we had a team even drop out of our conference, Maine Maritime. It was always great going up there, beautiful campus. Uh, and it's just been tough because, you know, we don't even know what we're doing a week from now. So to sit here and say what we're going to do in the fall is just, I, I would have no idea. But I do know that, you know, our coaches really do want to play. And they have a passion for the game of football and they want us out there that they're going to do everything in their power to make sure we have the season we deserve and we've earned. Though uh, dodging COVID may be tougher than dodging the cannon over at Maine Maritime back in the old days, but it's a whole other story for another show. Uh, Tanner. Wait, um, guys, is, yeah. Let me jump in real quick, though. I mean, so I, I, I can't speak for um, the – what's going on in the state of Massachusetts. Um, my family's up in Connecticut and I know that, you know, there, there have been different approaches to, you know, the vaccines being rolled out of various States. Um, one of my kids who's 16 got their first shot going to get the second one pretty soon. I mean, is in, in Massachusetts and, and or on like the Springfield campus is the, the whole vaccination thing, you know, still being talked about. Is it expected that, you know, college age kids from 18 and up will be pretty much vaccinated by the fall or, or not we've we've talked about it as a team uh limitedly uh i mean obviously the more kids on the team who get the shot and are vaccinated the better chance we have to play so you know recently we've been talking about hey guys try and get your vaccine this summer so that we have a better chance to play in the fall is there going to, I mean, okay, your age group, uh, and Tanner, I'll go to you, even though we, uh, you're not at Springfield per se anymore uh, playing. 
I mean, is there this shaming for people that do or don't get the vaccine going on in your age group right now? I, I think this is the one missing link that we're seeing uh, in terms of this discussion. We've had the older set pretty much go out and get it first and everything else. It was always the younger set and the you know the kids who are in high school whose parents will control the uh, discussion on this will make their decisions and probably be forced to get it whether or not they want it by their parents but there's this set between the ages of 18 and 30 years old that we're really not sure what they're going to do a lot of them are writing the idea that if the older set gets it and the younger set gets it we don't need to get vaccinated necessarily i i mean what is going on out there in your age set in that discussion since we're not really fully privy to it yeah i mean and i have a little bit of a a unique um comparison because i'm i'm currently working at a college you know i'm working at a division three university where um that conversation comes up you know and i i'm i got one shot you know i mean I, i'm getting my my, my second shot in a, in a week and um you know part of me comes at it from the perspective of hey i want to you know I want to be able to, you know, go see my parents and, and, and hug my parents and go to these vacations and, and uh, you know, do do stuff. And I think, you know, I think the better majority of kids my age, and I don't want to speak for Tony or Sam, are, kind of have a similar mindset. Um, if it came down to a decision of do I get to play next fall, you know, this is the way to do it. Uh, if I were, you know, in Sam's position, I'd be like, yeah, let's do it right now. Like, I mean, I, I, whatever it's going to take to get back on the field. I know that, you know, working in a, in a university right now, um, you know, our plan is to kind of get things back to normal come next fall. Um, how is that going to affect our position in athletics? That's a whole nother scenario. Um, and I know you two have talked about this and, and I don't want to go off on another tangent, but I think the biggest thing that plays into it has been communication, you know, and whether it's from the administrative side, whether through, um, you know, state officials and who decide. I think the biggest, the biggest frustration I think I've had, and I think I've sort of heard it from from your guys' show as well, has just been like who's who's calling the shots and who's you know, whoever's been making that decision. Let's let's make that decision. Let's kind of live and die with it. I think the biggest thing has been. I think Sam has kind of, you know, ha has experienced this has been sort of just this waiting game of like who's who's going to finally come out and, and make the decision. And I think that's more of a frustration for kids, especially in the playing age of, of being a college athlete, um, than making the decision. And maybe it's the wrong decision. But I think um, that that's kind of been at least my viewpoint of the frustration. JB, I, I, you, you and I have talked about the NCAA's leadership um, oh, yeah. during uh, the first part of this. And it seems like they've been playing from behind from every aspect of this. So I, I'll let you go on that tangent a little bit because I, I know your feelings on that one. Yeah, I mean, and it's been a, it's been an issue. It, I kind of find it's really ironic that, you know, our, let's, you know, our, both like our shows, our, our whole thing is, you know, D3 is supposed to be about the student athlete and for, you know, higher education. And I have the the lack of adults in the room um, during the COVID times and the lack of communication that's clear and direct and decisive is just, uh, yeah, I've, the whole, whole D3 
nation, whatever you want to call it. I think a lot of a lot of college presidents and boards are just, you know, they, they kind of just froze up. And, you know, like I think you said it before, Frank, you know, even if you what was that phrase you, you, you kind of coined that even if you don't think you can do it or, or it's because you haven't done it yet. Um, doesn't mean you can't do it now. It's like it's, we have seen lots of universities over the past six or seven months now across the country that have figured out ways to cope and have athletics in this in this time frame. But there's still schools out there that are acting like, you know, how, how, how would we ever, you know, we don't know how to do this. Like, oh, we need more time. Like, oh, well, you know, no, nobody in the stands because that's, you know, I don't know. I could go on and on about this subject forever, but yeah, the the NCAA is definitely um, you know kind of dropped the ball on many occasions, and and in a way, you know, maybe you know they're, because they're really more of a governing body that gives you know gives them the perfect excuse of well, not the you know it's like basically all they can really say is like well, either we're going to have championships or we're not, you know, and so if they when they cancel the championships, that made it easier for some schools to sort of fall in line. Like, okay, well then we're not just if there's no championship to play for, then we're just not going to play and left it at that. I think uh, you're talking about uh, just because it's new to you doesn't mean it's new to us uh, in this uh, country. And one, yeah. There's a lot of that going on. There's There still is. And it, it's ridiculous to me. Though, you know, the one thing I, I look back to the, I don't know if you guys followed the Brevard controversy in the USA South that we were uh, sort of managing a little bit on uh, this show. But when we were on Twitter with some of the Brevard players initially, and they were going apoplectic on the whole coin toss situation that they were going through to decide who would play in the USA South's championship. You had these 18 to 22 year olds from Brevard uh, on there and getting very heated and everything else, but sounding almost adult in some senses too about the fairness and equity of a situation. And the adults in the room really acted like, oh, we uh, we're above you in this whole thing and we're going to make these decisions and you'll need to calm down about it and everything else and even i asked a couple of them to sort of pipe down you know we hear you we hear you but then when you take a step back and i remember that night i was grabbing a drink and going through all this uh twitter stuff and i'm saying to myself you know after everything we've just been through in these last at that point 13 to 14 months i really have no ability here to say to these students these players that we have any authority over them in terms of the thought process and the maturity process and advice and demands and anything else because we screwed up in a lot of ways here we've let you guys down in a lot of ways here yeah we haven't had many covid deaths at your age group and we're lucky with that and there's certain science aspect to it and a certain protection aspect to it i will not deny that but at the same time we sort of went out there and told you this is the way it's going to be and it's got to be and you're not going to get your freedoms the way you think you should have them even though you're adults technically and realistically but we're going to put our foot down over your throat a little bit on this whole thing and just go with it go with it you know what screw that Screw it, because it didn't work, and it's not working in a lot of senses. I applaud the coaches and the ADs that went out there and said, we're going to go the extra mile, we're going to do this, we're going to play this game of football, come hell or high water this spring, we're going to figure out a way to do it safely and everything else. And those are the guys I listen to right now. Those are the guys I want to hear from and learn from. I don't want to hear from the... 
we're going to uh, toss a coin because that's the only way we're going to be able to de uh, determine a tie, and you're going to like it. Come on, man. That's JV's line. I guess we're trading lines right now. Yeah. Last thing, let's let's uh, round things out here, guys. Uh, normally, we give student-athletes shout-outs, uh, but uh, we're going to give you guys a chance for free flow here on talk about your show, how people can find it, uh, you talk about uh, things that you're looking forward to or that you've enjoyed, anything you want to talk about. Each of you, we're going to give you a couple minutes here to just uh, roll free flow. Uh, Tanner, uh, in the shirt and tie, since you're working for a school now and all dignified down there, uh, I, I think you're going to go first on this one. Just uh, go for it. If you want to make it a shout-out session, you are more than welcome to. Uh, well, first off, I, I want to thank everyone on, on the screen, both uh, Tony, Sam, um, and then, you know, Frank, you and JB, you know, for what you guys do. Um, you know, you, it, it would be um, an insult to not say that, you know, your guys' hard work and everything that you do definitely inspired us to, to do what we're doing. And um, I think you guys giving a voice to D3 sports and D3 football in particular is, um, you know, uh, such a huge thing. Um, it's, it's really developed a community in, in Division Three football. And um, I think uh, we've kind of already alluded to a little bit, but it's definitely um, created a really special thing um, and, and special, a special bond between all of us. But uh, to, to anybody who either knows about us or might know about us after this, you know, um, you know, we're just, we're just a couple of, you know, three guys who, who love talking ball, love giving some appreciation to the, the big ugly guys up front. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a pretty fun thing to do. It's, it's really given us a connection to a lot of awesome people. Um, the three of us, we, you know, we're pretty much aspiring, uh, football coaches, you know, in the future, you know, however that ends up coming about. So, um, we're just trying to learn. I think one of the coolest things that we did actually, we didn't even mention them, but, um, we, we did a little, uh, collaboration with these guys, uh, the mesh point podcast, and they're a couple of high school coaches as well. They do something similar where they focus specific on specifically on the triple option. Um, so just kind of creating that community, kind of learning from each other. Um, that's kind of been our goal. Just kind of, you know, we, we don't have that much knowledge to share that much right now, but but hopefully in the coming years we'll, we'll be able to share some. But we're definitely doing a lot of learning right now, and it's been a, a pretty cool ride. As a broadcaster, I have learned to hate the triple option for purposes of I can't follow the ball to save my life, even at field level. But uh, I've grown to love Springfield, obviously, and you guys uh, for uh, various reasons. But, oh, God. Anyway, uh, Tony, well, what do you got for us? Um, yeah, I don't want to mimic Tanner here, but I can't thank you guys enough for the support you've given us constantly, whether it's through social media, um, in the DMs, away from the public eye. Um, it's really been special. Even when we were players uh, back at SC, and Sam was a player as well. I, I don't think I could ever forget the famous Nick Painter waves with right behind you there, Frank. So I think what you guys are doing is a really, yeah, a really, really special thing. Um, our show is about spotlighting big guys, but you guys are spotlighting a group of people who, for a period in their life, uh, they had everybody has a dream of being a pro, right? Um, but you end up at D three, and that's almost kind of looked down upon. Um, and what you guys have been doing for years now and what you're doing still with us is you're providing so much more than just just a talk show. 
you're giving a, a spotlight to guys who at one point in their life had to be rejected to get to this level. Um, and seeing guys like Quinn or Ali Marpet get to that next level that we all dream of, um, and you guys are right there in the middle of it, is what makes it really special. Um, so, I, like I said, I can't thank you guys enough. Coach Matt, Coach Tony, who came on earlier uh, in the in our past year and collaborated with us, that was really special. Um, all the past guests and all the future ones. Um, we're just lucky to be picking guys' brains. And like I said in the DM or what we said to you, of, at the very least, we're just taking notes on how you guys run things because you're, you're the top-tier professional in what we're trying to do. So um, can't thank you enough and everybody that we're lucky enough to talk to. So that's all it is. Top-tier professional. That, that scares me right now. We, I, I had to re, really re, uh, reassess things after that one, JB. <laughs> I don't know. Sam, you are still a student-athlete. You do get shout-outs fully if you want them here. Uh, we, we do provide that, so don't make this a in-the-huddle love fest necessarily. Talk about your guys' uh, show, too. Make sure people know how to find it. Yeah, so you can find us on pretty much all your social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Tony and Tanner do a great job with the TikTok. I stay away from that. Uh, we're at the Trench Talk show on most of them. We've got a lot of great content out there, uh, both on O-line and D-line. And just even if you're not a football fan, you can find something you'll love in those podcasts because we really do think that offensive linemen, you know, those skills that you learn in the game and those character qualities you learn, you carry with you the rest of your life. Uh, and I think anyone would love our podcast because of that. And also just want to thank you guys, of course, because you do cover D3 football, which not a lot of people do. And me as someone who still plays, I really do appreciate it. And I'm hoping to see you guys at some games next fall. Oh, it's happening. Don't you worry. And you guys continue doing what you're doing. Uh, we, we love watching your uh, content. We love seeing your uh, social media, uh, whatever we can do to help you. We will. And we appreciate your support uh, in getting our stuff out there as well. Guys, continued success on the Trench Talk show, and hopefully people will go out there immediately and like it and follow it. A lot of fun talking to the Trench Talk guys, and um, I know it was pretty passionate uh, there about you know where we've been and how the adults of the room sort of overpowered, mm. I think, some of what they should have been doing or how they were treating uh, some of the youth in this world and didn't listen well at certain points, or at least take their best interests into consideration, including their own thoughts and hopes about this whole situation the last 14 months. Uh, I am passionate about it. I think you are too, because I feel like we robbed our youth of opportunities even after the science began to show us how we could and couldn't navigate in this entire process. And, uh, you know... I don't like telling the youth that we failed them in certain ways, but I really feel like in this one we may have. And I'm sorry for that if it's true. And I hope that we do have opportunities for them in some way to make up for that fact, even though I don't think we can in all cases. Yeah, ultimately time will time will tell and will be the ultimate judge on, you know, whether the the shutting down of the twenty twenty season was the right thing to do. Um, you know, we've seen some of the positive elements that have come out of it through the 21 uh, spring season. Curious to see how that plays out in uh, the fall. Like I said, with the with the trench talk guys, I think, you know, we're not completely out of the woods just yet. And I think a lot of the things that we've seen put into place this spring to allow football to happen will probably continue in the fall. And who knows, we might see some cancellations and whatnot, but 
hopefully, um, as we've learned and, and as far as the different, you know, treatment and stuff out there um, that's available, uh, this will become a thing of the past and something that we'll just have to move on and, and learn from. Yeah, uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see where we go here, uh, ultimately. Uh, but we're going to finish our job here. Uh, next week, uh, we will review the uh, games that do get played to the degree that any get played. Uh, I'm not sold that we will see anything this weekend, but the UMAC's going to try, it looks like. Um, yep. And uh, a couple MAC exhibitions, we believe, as well. Uh, so enjoy those, and hopefully the seniors that play in those uh, take value from those. I mean, we included a clip from the Lebanon Valley uh, Alvernia game in our little package here for the uh, top 25 tees. It, technically, we now, retrospect, realize it probably was an exhibition. But you know what? The seniors and the rest of the team acted like it meant everything in the world, like it was a championship out there. And so... You got to embrace those moments, regardless of how you're categorizing the experience or the game or the contest or whatever else. Uh, and we do appreciate the candor that SIDs have been giving us about when we do ask, is it a game? Is it an exhibition? They're pretty fast to respond. It's an exhibition in a lot of these cases. And, you know, we appreciate that candor because it's important later on when you're starting to say, well, blank has a record of blank and blank in the, uh, you know, in their career. That's going to matter how you count the wins and losses, even not just the stats. We didn't think about that last week when we talked about it. So, yep, a lot of questions, a lot of places we've never been before with college football, but normalcy, hoping it's coming back to a playing field yeah. near you in just three and a half months or thereabouts when camps open in August. Until later. Thanks again to the Trench Talk, guys. JB, thank you, and thank you, folks. We'll see you soon.